Pastor Xavier Rees says, being all you can be is really just being yourself. You remember in high school, you know, you, you, you idolized your friends so much and you hung around together, you, you both talked the same, or the girls, you dressed the same hair, everything else, and you know, and, and Christians can get like that too. Just be yourself, know who you are. You don't have to try to be like anybody else. You don't have to try to imitate anybody else. You don't have to impress anybody else. Just be yourself. Be what God's called you to be. And you will be a faithful witness of Jesus Christ. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. You know, it's been said that it's the clothes that make the man. But some say you're known by the company that you keep. Then, of course, it's not what you know, but who you know. Maintaining your identity can be tricky business these days. Well, Pastor Xavier says, knowing who you are in God's economy is simply being what God wants you to be. It's a simple truth we learn from the example of John the Baptist as Pastor Xavier takes us to the Gospel of John. John chapter 1, verses 19 through 37 this morning. I've entitled the message, John the Faithful Witness. Now, we want to look at three factors that contributed to John the Baptist's faithful witness of Jesus, which if we will be keen to observe, it will help us to become faithful witness of Jesus also. And they're very simple. They're laid out here in our text. But allow me to read verses uh, 19 down to 37, and then I'll give you the three factors, okay? He says, now, this is the testimony of John when the Jews sent uh, priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, who are you? He confessed and did not deny, but confessed, I am not the Christ. And they asked him, what then? Are you Elijah? He said, I am not. Are you the prophet? He said, no. Then they said to him, who are you? That we may give an answer to those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? And he said, I am the voice, one crying in the wilderness, make straight the way of the Lord, uh, as the prophet Isaiah said. Now, those who were sent from, uh, were from the Pharisees, and they asked him, saying, why then do you baptize if you are not the Christ, nor Elisha, nor the prophet? John answered them, saying, I baptize with water, but there stands one among you whom you do not know. It is he who coming after me is preferred before me, whose sandal straps I'm not worthy to loose. These things were done in Bethabara, or Bethany, beyond the Jordan, where John was baptizing. Uh, the next day John saw Jesus coming towards him, and he said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. This is he of whom I said, After me comes a man who is preferred before me, for he was before me. I did not know him, but that he should be revealed to Israel. Therefore, I came baptizing with water. And John bore witness, saying, I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove, and he remained on him. I did not know him, but he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, Upon whom you see the Spirit descending and remaining on him, this is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And I have seen and testified that this is the Son of God. And again the next day, John stood with two of his disciples and looked at Jesus as he walked. He said, Behold the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him speak and they followed Jesus. Now, three factors that contributed to John the Baptist's faithful witness are given to us here in this text. And they will help us if we observe them for our own life. First, John knew who he was, the voice in the wilderness, verses 19 through 23. John knew who he was, the voice in the wilderness. Secondly, John knew what he was called to do. 
baptized in water, verses 24 through 28. And then thirdly, John knew who he was to point people to, Jesus, verses 29 through 34. Now we'll go through them as we go through them once again, if you missed any of those, okay? Let's look at the first. John knew who he was, the voice in the wilderness. This is the first factor that contributed to John Baptist being a faithful witness. And I'm going to be speaking about John the Beloved and John the Baptist to distinguish between the two so you don't get confused because we're going to interlace them through the text here, okay? Now, notice first here, regarding the first fact that John knew who he was, the voice in the wilderness. In verse 19, the occasion of the, uh, of the delegation sent by the Jews from Jerusalem gave opportunity for John to be and to be revealed as a witness, isn't it interesting that God always provides an opportunity for you to be his witness? Now, sometimes those opportunities are not the most favorable. Sometimes they're kind of awkward. But you know you have to speak. Sometimes they're very flowing, very loving. It's just great. And it's like, oh, you feel so good. But nevertheless, God is the one who chooses the opportunity. And he's the one that sets the scenario. And we are the ones who follow the orders. And we are to be witnesses to him. Now, John the Beloved is the only one who tells us that a delegation from Jerusalem came. Matthew, Mark, and Luke don't tell us. The delegation was made of a priest, as you see there, Levites, and these care for the temple, the sacrifice, and the service. They were the religious group. The delegation was sent by the Sanhedrin because the Sanhedrin was the supreme court of the nation of Israel. And um, they were composed of chief priests, uh, elders, and the scribes, 70 in number, according to the Old Testament, Numbers 11, 16. And they were the ones who oversaw all the religious affairs and all that went on. Now, John the Beloved tells us that this was the testimony of John the Baptist to the delegation sent by the Jews. The word testimony, and sometimes it's called witness, you have different forms, is a favorite word of John. It appears 26 times in its various forms. And so once again, you have the scenario here in the picture of a courtroom. And when you go to a courtroom, the lawyer asks the witness one by one. We're all familiar about court and judges and witnesses. Here it is. He's a witness, a faithful witness. The word means a reliable source of information that is given by the individual. Someone who has observed something or has some information and can reveal and relate the record in accuracy. This is the witness. John the Baptist was God's witness to testify to the world about Jesus, that all through John might believe that Jesus was the light. We read that, remember, in chapter 1, verse 6 through 7. He says, there was a man sent by God whose name was John. He's talking about John the Baptist. The man came for a witness, to bear witness of the light, that all, listen, through him might believe. That through him is John the Baptist, not Jesus. That all through John the Baptist might believe upon Jesus. Okay, it's important that you point that out. The hymn is to John, not Jesus, in verse uh, 7 there. Now, remember that there had been 400 years of silence. Malachi was the last prophet to speak. The message of Malachi was twofold. Repentance in view of your life and your lifestyle. Second, repentance in view of the coming judgment. And that was the last voice that Israel heard, and it was silence. John is the first voice to break that silence of 400 years. What is his message? Repentance in view of your lifestyle, repentance in view of the Lord's coming. How interesting. What a parallel. Now, we are infested with noise. We don't know what silence is. You get in your car, you put the tape on, you put the radio on, 
Or you start talking with somebody. If not, you start singing, whistling, whatever it is. You start tapping. You know, we just, we're a society that can't stand silence. Uh, I don't know if you've ever been somewhere where it's out in the desert, the mountains, real dark, where there's no light. I mean, where you see pitch black, you can't even see your hand in front. It's an awesome, it's, it's almost, you can feel it. Well, silence is the same way. If you've ever been somewhere where it's all alone, you can't hear nothing. And it drives us crazy as modern people. <laughs> but silence is good, but it causes you to reflect and to be open to God. There's a silence, and all of a sudden, when there's a silence, a, a little pin drop, well, you pick it up. This is the picture. It's been silent for 400 years, and all of a sudden, God speaks again through John. Now, John the Baptist was asked one single question by these delegates. Who are you? Now, remember, the multitudes were coming out to be baptized by John from Jerusalem, all Judea, and all the regions around about Jordan. I mean, here you have this, uh, this hick out in the wilderness. These men are refined. They're the priesthood. And you've got some long-haired hippie out in the wilderness, and everybody's going to him. And they're scratching their head. Hey, we better go check this guy out. Now, so much for church growth and their philosophies. You see, if the church growth guys were there, if Fuller Seminary and Wagner and all the guys were there in McGavern, they would have said, now, John, you need to get a building that's close to a good crossroad. You need to get yourself and advertise in the Jerusalem Post, and you need to get yourself some good, wealthy people to back you up, and, 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 and you know, and, and you can make your church grow. <laughs> no, no, no. God says, John, I call you, I anoint you, I'm going to bring people to you. And so we have to be careful to realize that Jesus is the head of the church. He's the one that asks the church. He's the one that brings people. If God has raised you up, God has anointed you, God's in the work, then let God do it. Let Him do it. And once you see He does it, then you make sure you follow Him. Now, the Sanhedrin was the religious watchdogs. They oversaw all these uh, events that went on because there were many self-appointed messiahs. And um, they're checking it out. Notice secondly in verse 20 and 21 that the answer of John the Baptist reveals who he was not, first of all. Who he was not. That's as important as who he is. In verse 20, John the Baptist confessed and did not deny, I am not the Christ, the Messiah, the anointed. You see, the people were an expectation of all in that region, reasoning in their hearts if John was the Messiah. Luke 3.15 tells us that. They were all in expectation of the Messiah. And they were saying, hey, you think John's the Messiah? Some say, nah. Some say, yeah, he is. Others say, well, I don't know. So it's interesting that at this particular time, the people were in expectation of the Messiah's coming. What, what made them expect after 400 years? I always love the way the Spirit of God works in the heart of people. And he begins to set the tone and everything's going on. It says when, when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son made of a woman under the law. Galatians 4.4. 4. Right on time. God's always on time. You and I are late, but God's always on time. I've told you before, you never read about Jesus in the, in the Gospels where he's maybe going to the Sermon on the Mount and the guy says, excuse me, Master, can I have a question? Wait, wait, I'm tired. Wait, I'll be back. I'm a little late. I'll be back. No, he's never in a hurry. He's always right on time. Always. Now, what does that tell me about my life? I'm always saying, wait a minute, I don't have time. I'll be back. I'm never on time. How interesting. Notice the Baptist confesses to a second question, that he was not Elijah, in verse 21 still. You see, Malachi had prophesied that Elijah would come 
before the coming and great dreadful day of the Lord, and that he would turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the children to the parents, Malachi 4, 5 says. Now, this was occurring. Now, you start having the hearts of the fathers to the children and the children to the fathers, you're going to get people's heads turned. No matter how weird you are, no matter how much they don't want Christianity, no matter what it is, but people's lives start being affected, people are going to take notice. They may not like what's going on. They may not agree, but they cannot help but to notice what the heck is going on. Now, John the Baptist certainly fits the description and likeness of Elijah. John was preaching in the wilderness of Judea, saying, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. Elijah was preaching repentance. John was clothed in camel's hair, three-piece camel hair suit, leather belt. His food was locusts and wild honey, Matthew 3, 3 and 4. I mean, he was a rugged country boy, outdoorsman, just like Elijah. So rightly so, what was going on, knowing the scriptures, and, and they were looking, they say, hey, it looked like him. How many people thought Hitler was the Antichrist? Well, I tell you what, if I would have been around, I would have said, that's him. He fitted pretty good, but he's only a type. So sometimes when we try to interpret Scripture in our present day, we're not, not necessarily wrong or necessarily right. We just have to look and say, this could be it. Let time flow and let, we'll find out. Because sometimes we don't know. And then as time goes by, we say, no, that's not him. So we have to be careful about prophecy. Now, John the Baptist was Elisha according to Jesus, though he denies it here. He was Jesus' messenger to prepare his way, the short-term fulfillment, and he quotes Malachi 3.1 in uh, Matthew 11, 9 through 14, as well as Luke uh, 7, 25 through 28. Remember when John the Baptist was put in prison and he sent some of his disciples, he says, are you the one we're looking for or do we look to another? And Jesus continued ministry and afterwards came to John's disciples and he says, listen, you go tell John that the blind see, the deaf hear, and the dumb talk. And by the way, the gospel has reached the poor. That was the key. And then the people started saying, well, wait a minute, John's doubting this and that. And he didn't write, Jesus got up and he said, listen, what you guys go out to see? You guys go out to see a, a, a reed shaking in the wind? Not John. He called the Pharisees and scribes vipers, snakes. He wasn't a reed afraid, shaking in the wind. What'd you go out to see? A guy out there all decked out with beautiful clothing, fine linen? No, he's a rugged guy. And he says, but I tell you that there has been no one born greater than John the Baptist. Wow. Jesus said, John the Baptist is the greatest prophet that has ever existed. Do you realize that John the Baptist never did one miracle? What does that say to us? We always determine the greatness of the person by the amount of miracles, right? Today we have a whole movement, sign and wonders. And the more signs we do, they do, the more we wonder, right? Um, it's just incredible. Am I against miracles? No. You're a miracle. I'm a miracle. I've seen miracles in my life. I've seen healing miracles. I've seen different things. But I don't live by them. You understand? And yet he said he's the greatest. Why? Because John the Baptist closed the Old Testament canon. The last Old Testament prophet to speak 400 years ago was Malachi. But John the Baptist closed the Old Testament canon. And he says, any of you who are in the New Testament are greater than John the Baptist. Whoa! <laughs> Can you imagine that? Very, very clear. You see, John the Baptist came in the power and the spirit of Elijah after his, the prophecy of his birth in Luke 1.17. 
Zacharias was in the temple of his father. The angel said, listen, you're going to have a son. God's heard your prayer. Your wife Elizabeth's barren. Hey, she's going to have a child next year. Oh, how am I going to know? Well, because you doubt it, you're not going to speak for the whole year. Until you dedicate the child, when he does, then you'll speak. He named him John, by the way. Not after you or anybody else. And he will come in the power and the spirit of Elijah. So the short-term prophecy, Jesus says, John the Baptist was Elijah. But the long-term prophecy is Elijah will literally come in the great tribulation. That is very, very clear. So many Old Testament prophecies, short-term, long-term, the ultimate fulfillment. Now, John confessed to a third question, that he was not the prophet. The references to the ultimate prophet, the Messiah, Deuteronomy 18.15. So he says no to every one of these three. But now in verse 22 through 23, the answer of John the Baptist reveals who he was. First the negative, now the positive. Verse 23 says, John the Baptist confessed, I am the voice crying in the wilderness. Make straight the ways of the Lord. The voice of a carrier, the focus being on his work, not on his person. Mark that well. Too often the pastors, the churches, the movements, the elders, whatever, the focus is always on their person. Listen, I am not the important one. It's Jesus. If I point to anything, I should point to the work that God has called me to be a pastor teacher. And that's it. But the focus should not be on my person. It's very important. All the three other synoptic gospels say, prepare the way of the Lord and make his path straight. Matthew 3, Mark 1, Luke 3. Now, if you follow Luke's thing there, he speaks about filling the valleys and, and straightening the roads and all that. It was of the practice of the day that when a king was coming or a dignitary, they would go through the roads, they would be proclaiming his arrival, they would fill up the hole so the carriage would ride smooth, and they would try to straighten up the roads the best they could so he could speedily get to his destination. Here's that practice. He's preparing the way for the Lord spiritually. Now, John the Baptist was the prophet of God, sent by God, the precursor and the forerunner of Jesus, who broke the 400-year silence. All of a sudden, God is once again speaking. And again, Jesus called him the greatest of all the prophets. Hmm. You see, John the Baptist was to bear witness that the eternal Logos, who became flesh, was coming after him and was in higher rank than him and he's told us that already in verse 15 of this chapter incredible and so here you have john he was a faithful witness of jesus because he knew who he was the voice in the wilderness now you and i will be a faithful witness to jesus if we know who we are we must know that who we are i'm a christian i know who i am i'm a new man I'm a new creation. I am the temple of God. I am part of the church of God. I'm a saint. I'm beloved of God. I'm justified. I'm redeemed. I am able to hear the voice of God. I don't have to try to be anybody else. You know, too often people want to be somebody else. Uh, know who you are. Sometimes one of the, some of the scariest things, especially in ministry, I look around and I see some pastors, they, uh, they try to be like other pastors, almost want to be them. 
And so they get all their tapes and they listen to them and they study just like them. And all of a sudden, they start teaching and they, they sound just like them. And if you listen to them, you think you're listening to the past and you pick it up. You remember in high school, you know, you, you, you idolized your friends so much and you hung around together, you, you both talked the same or the girls, you dressed the same, hair, everything else, and you know, you, you know, mutton jet, you know what I mean? Uh, where one was, the other was. And, and Christians can get like that too. Just be yourself. Know who you are. You don't have to try to be like anybody else. You don't have to try to imitate anybody else. You don't have to impress anybody else. Just be yourself. Be what God's called you to be. And you will be a faithful witness of Jesus Christ. John knew who he was. We need to know who we are. We're new creatures in Christ. We're sons of God and daughters of God. What a privilege. Notice, secondly, that John knew what he was called to do. To baptize in water, verses 24 through 28. Notice first in verse 24 and 25 that the Baptist was not to be intimidated by the religious men of his day regarding his ministry of baptism. The Pharisees, in verse 24, were the ones who sent the delegation and were one of the religious groups of the Sanhedrin. Uh, the others were the Sadducees. Uh, the Pharisees were the religious ritualists that epitomized hypocrisy and self-righteousness. Jesus exposed them. You know, there's still a lot of Pharisees and scribes. They get insulted when we preach and minister the gospel and, and we tell them they have to be born again. And they say, how dare you? I've been in the ministry 30 years and, and this and that. But have you been born again? You know, religious and good moral people, what I call good moral pagans, are the hardest to reach because they get so offended that you dare say that they're going to go to hell or that they need to be forgiven. It's incredible. I mean, it's much easier to reach someone who's living in fornication, adultery, uh, on drugs. I mean, he knows who he is. They may say there's nothing wrong with it, but they know in their heart they're, they're not the best of people. But it's that subtle deception through self-righteousness and morality that, that can blind us. You must be born again or you will never see the kingdom of God. Never. Notice secondly here in verse 26 and 27 that the Baptist was to declare the difference between his ministry and the ministry of Jesus. He baptized with water as a forerunner for repentance, for the remission of sins. An outward ritual, verse 26 says, Remember that these priests were fully aware that John's dad, Zachariah, was a priest. And therefore, John was of the priestly line. And they were probably scratching their head. They're saying, what's this guy doing? John, you're a priest. You're of the priestly family. What are you doing being such a weirdo out here? Why don't you come alongside us? John was smart. No, thank you. Thank you, but no thank you. Isn't that what happened with the Calvary Chapel movement and, and movements such as Calvary Chapel? The traditional church did not accept what was going on in the 60s with the hippies, the long hair, the bare feet. And so God chose and found one man opening his heart, Pastor Chuck. And Pastor Chuck broke away with the denominations because they were so self-righteous and everything else and so legalistic. How interesting. God is always looking for John the Baptist type those who are going to follow God and not the traditional system. Am I preaching rebellion? No. I'm preaching that you obey God. And you don't get sucked into the whole system of man. 
that doesn't deal with the issues of sin and holiness and redemption. Very important. Pastor Xavier Reese, wrapping up our time together today with some good encouragement, illustrating for us the obedience called for in a faithful witness of the work of Jesus Christ. And you can hear this message again, if you like, online anytime by selecting today's date under the radio tab at calvarychapelpasadena.com. And Pastor Xavier is only partway through this message he's calling John the Faithful Witness. There's much more to be learned from the example of John the Baptist on our next broadcast. So if you don't think you'll be able to join us, let me encourage you to get in touch with us so that we can provide you with your own CD copy of this study. We'd be happy to get one right out to you for the small cost of just $4. And this is a convenient way to pass along this teaching to others, too. Once again, the title is John the Faithful Witness, yours for including just $4 when you write to Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Again, that's Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And thanks for mentioning the call letters of this station when you get in touch. This helps us track the effectiveness of this ministry in your area. Next time, Pastor Xavier brings us more of the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the simple truth of being a faithful witness. Hope you'll join us then. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. www.calvarychapelpasadena.com